0: Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian who lived during the time and the rise of the Nazis. Now, from the very beginning, he protested what the Nazi regime and their policy was toward the Jews. He escaped Germany, okay? Hear me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer got out of Germany, but he later returned because he knew that his Christian brothers and sisters, along with the Jewish people there, were being mistreated. He went back of his own free will to fight alongside others. Eventually, for his resistance to the Nazi regime, he was arrested, he was imprisoned. And when they discovered that he had been a part of a plan to try to assassinate Hitler, Bonhoeffer was executed. Now, his faith took him into a place of opposition to a violent government. And rather than hide that faith or try to change what he believed, he remained true to it. And so as a result, he lost his life. While leading an underground seminary, Bonhoeffer wrote these words. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Today we're finishing up our series, Blessed. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 5. That's where we find this first sermon that Jesus gave in his ministry here on earth. And at the beginning of the message, Jesus talks about the Beatitudes. He, He uses this list of Beatitudes. And Beatitude is literally translated to a state of blessing. So Jesus talks about these blessings that we receive. And what this first 11 passages unpacks is those blessings we receive when we have a heart for God. When we let our heart be transformed, when we let our heart be changed, it begins to, to do what Jesus wants for our lives and lean into his way, then we get blessed by our Father. Now listen, this is not a to-do list. As we went through this series, it's not a list of things you've got to try to do to live better so that you will receive the blessing. And it's not even the blessings that I think we've come to expect. Things like more money, more stuff, romantic relationships, a healthy family. Those things are the things we have, that we've looked at, right? No, the blessings that we receive, that Jesus talks about, is that we actually have a stronger, deeper relationship with God right here and now in this world, and we are promised a future kingdom. And so today we're going to finish this series. We're going to finish it off today as we, as we look at these blessings. And I'll tell you, we've been giving out these coasters throughout the series. You guys may have been picking those up. Today, when you leave, we've got every single one, every, the, the rest of them are out there. Everything we got sat on that table. Take it, because I don't want them here. Okay? But try to, and again, we still have two more services, so don't take them all in the first. Okay, guys? You're like, ha ha, we got them all. And then the next service is, meant, where's the coasters? I don't know we're going to finish this up today and we're going to look at a blessing that Jesus promised starting in verse 10. Read this with me here in Matthew chapter 5. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is what Bonhoeffer was saying when he wrote, come die. This is what he did during World War II. He knew that his beliefs would lead to possible death, but following Jesus means that might be the case. Jesus confirms this in the passage, that listen, we will experience persecution, but he invites us to respond through rejoicing and gladness. Persecution develops in a Christian and a believer a deep spiritual formation into the image of Jesus and the joy of being faithfully united with him. Now, in the second half of this beatitude, Jesus, for the first time in these declarations, okay, makes it personal. He switches from blessed are those, right? He's been saying blessed are those to blessed are you. Blessed are you. One thing is very clear about this final beatitude. It is personal. He is saying to those who follow Christ, to you, rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted for my sake. See, this this one gives us no wiggle room. It gives us nowhere to kind of run away for debate, but instead confronts us with this serious consequence of believing in Jesus and following in this world and that's the consequence of the fact that it will be hard. It's not going to be easy. And so this sets up our big idea for today, which says this. You're blessed when you're treated like Jesus. I want to read to you from the, today from a section of the book of John. If you've got your Bibles or a Bible app, I'd love for you to open it up to the book of John. It's in the New, it's in the New Testament of the Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to put the words on the screen here. But I just want you to know that if you want a Bible and you don't have one, stop by the hub out in the lobby, pick a Bible up. We want you to have that, keep that, okay? Now, John wrote about Jesus. He wrote a gospel of Jesus, gospel meaning good news, because that's what John wanted to do. He wanted people to know about Jesus. He wanted to share the good news that he had experienced in being with Jesus. And so in John 15, what we find, and that's where we're going to read from, is that Jesus has already entered into the kingdom of Jerusalem. He's coming to the kingdom of Jerusalem, and he's now with his disciples, and they're at the Last, Su- the Last Supper, and he's sharing lots of things with them. What really Jesus is doing is he's telling them, hey, I'm going to leave. I'm about to leave. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to comfort his disciples, He's explaining to them that, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to come and be with you. And then he's trying to say to them, listen, you are gonna, you're going to need to stand out from the world. And so look at this in verse 18 of chapter 15, what Jesus says to them. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as, it, as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will, also, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Jesus reminds his disciples here that although he came on an errand of love, right, the world at large hates him. And this is a fixed attitude that he says, this is going to carry over to you guys as well. My disciples, the ones who follow me, this is going to carry over to you. And the world assumes this attitude because it rejects all those who do not conform to its lifestyle. This is pretty apparent in our world, right? If you stand out, if you do not come along to what is popular and what is the theme for everyone else, then you are an outcast. You are mistreated. Like if you don't give into the social demands of being well-liked by lots of people and having lots of friends, then you get made to feel less important. If you don't buy into this idea that we need to compromise our values and our bodies for the sake of being in a romantic relationship with someone, then you are treated like a prude. If you don't affirm every person's choice and opinion and ideas, then we're made to be bigots who are filled with hate. If we as parents, right, as parents, do not conform to this need to have our kids signed up for every activity, every sport, everything that they can be in, then that makes us bad parents. You don't care about your kid's future if you don't do that. We don't have their best interests in mind. And these are the things that the world would do to persecute us. And listen, guys, that's here in America. We've got it easy. Because the reality is in other places, Matthew Matai stood up here last week and talked to us about India. You choose Christ in India, your family disowns you. You no longer get to live with them. You no longer get to talk to them. In some places like Africa, and the Middle East, you choose Christ, that means death. China. These are places that, that this persecution goes beyond just the social things that we deal with here, but it's death. But here we deal with a slower burn. A burn of exile they will exclude us they will talk badly about us it won't put us at the top of the ladder for recognition because we don't give another way maybe in your workplace maybe you do give in to the pressure and you do something dishonest to get ahead that's what the world wants for us to conform or else we get the short end of the stick and I for one say no to that I say no no because of what Jesus writes right here. He says, you do not belong to this world. You do not belong here. I love that, right? It fires me up to think I don't belong here. I am on loan. God owns us. He's the one who decides my worth. He's the one who decides what is good for me. And Jesus said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, when God owns us and when God calls us his sons and daughters, we get the promise of his kingdom. Not a kingdom here on earth. The kingdom which is eternal. You're blessed when you're treated like Jesus. Now some of you may have heard me share those ways that we get persecuted, right? And and, and those things are hard. And you're mad. You get mad about it. You get upset, you say that's not right. That's not right that we suffer for what we believe. I want you to take a step back, okay? Again, step back just a minute. Because look at what God's look at God's word. Jesus says, "Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me." He makes it clear that we are blessed when these things happen. Why? Why are we blessed? because we get to experience something Jesus experienced. But also because of what it means. Turn with me if you've got your Bible again. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. And Peter was a follower of Jesus. He was there with Jesus all the way through the gospels. He saw Jesus' death. He was a, he experienced the resurrection. And he was sitting at that last supper when Jesus shared those words. And he's writing a letter here in in 1 Peter to the believers who are learning to follow Jesus themselves. And here in verse 12, in in chapter 4, he writes this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed." If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Peter is telling them, and he's telling us as well, okay, that when we suffer and we are mistreated because of our faith, then we are blessed. And he says we're blessed because when the world rejects us, right, just as it did Jesus, then we know that we are living according to God's will, we're doing something right according to what God wants to do. We bear God's name. They can see God's love in us and therefore they can see that we are followers of Jesus. See, Peter, he's writing this to an audience of people who were who in oppression, right? The Romans were in charge of these people. They, were, they occupied their lands and they didn't like Christians. Why? Because they didn't worship Caesar. Because they didn't worship their emperor. They worshiped Jesus. And if you worshiped anyone other than the emperor, then you were put to death in bloody and violent ways. But remember, you're blessed when you're treated like Jesus. Listen, I grew up in my, most of my early life in Central Kentucky, in Lexington, Kentucky. Okay, I love being from Kentucky, by the way. I like it in Ohio too. Okay, nothing against you guys, but but Kentucky is my home state, y'all. And I actually, and I actually, almost every time I talk to someone, and uh, someone says, "Hey, where are you? Where you from?" Because they're in Ohio, they know I'm not from Ohio. They can hear it. Okay, and, yeah, it's clear. Yeah. And they always say, oh, where are you from? And I'll tell them, Lexington, I grew up around Lexington. And within the next few minutes, I'm going to get asked the same question. Are you a UK fan? (laughs) And the answer is always no. No, I'm not a UK fan. I don't know when that changes as a kid. My friends laugh because there's a picture of me wearing an all-UK outfit from when I was a kid. I'm positive my parents bought that for me. But I don't cheer for or like UK. Never have as far as I know. And you better believe that people in Lexington persecuted me for it when I was younger. Not my family or my close friends, but other people, okay? They didn't like that I didn't bleed blue, right? However, I wouldn't say that this equates to being persecuted in my faith, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because they had a reason to dislike me about this. Um, I was a jerk about not being a UK fan. (laughs) I reveled in their anguish when UK lost. I poked fun at them. I was like, (laughs) I made it worse. Listen, I deserved the treatment I got. I did. Folks, I tell you this because some Christians out there, and maybe that's some of you sitting in here today, get mistreated not because you follow Jesus closely and you love others, but because you mistreat people and you use faith as the excuse for why you do it. We cannot spout hate To people because of their lifestyle, their mistakes, the political party that they support, their place in this world, and then hide behind scripture is the reason why we do it. God calls us to love. Jesus just before tells the disciples in in this room about being hated because of them, tells them, You've got to love each other. He washes their feet. He shows them true love and says, go and do likewise. We're called to to one another well in this world. Guys, listen, I was just down in Pikeville, Kentucky area this week with 13 (coughs) other people, kids and adults who were serving and one anothering well. It's amazing to see that love, to do that because they just want to love other people. They want to honor other people. They want to hold other people up. You're blessed when you're treated like Jesus. Jesus. If we suffer because we are excluding people and labeling other people as unworthy of God's love or just altogether acting like we're better than other people, then we're not suffering like Jesus. We are suffering like the rest of the world. Jesus said, they hated me without reason. If you're not living the way Jesus teaches, they got a reason to hate you. You see, when Jesus said they hated him without reason, there was a couple things that I think caused this hate. There's this reasons for an obstinate attitude of the world that we're in. The first one is ignorance. The world does not have a proper concept of God. People don't truly understand God. And who can really blame them, right? God is this amazingly powerful, deeply loving, and altogether strange idea, right? It's confusing, And we as Christians don't make it easier. We are often guilty of pushing aside questions, saying things like, oh, you should just believe, you should just have faith. Folks, I love faith. I also love questions. It's okay to come to God with questions, to ask him why. Listen, we may not be able to comprehend the complexity of God. That's why I love him even more. The second reason I think they hated Jesus was the resentment they had of his claims and his standards. By Jesus' life and his words, he rebukes human sin and condemns it. And the truth is, when someone comes to us and shows us, even in a loving way, that we we are broken, then it hurts. We feel ashamed. And sometimes that shame will come out, that pain will come out in anger and hatred. We lash out. See, Jesus uncovers the inner corruption and hypocrisy of people, and they react violently to this disclosure. He strips away any excuse and exposes their selfishness and their rebellion against God. Jesus said that he was the light, right? He had come into this world, and he was going to shine the light into the darkness, And when that happens, there's pain. It makes me think of when you're asleep in your bed, right, in the dark room, and someone walks into the room and they just turn on the lights. Anybody know someone that does that? It's annoying. (laughs) Okay? It hurts. What happens? Our eyes pinch shut, right? And what do we do? We shout, turn off the lights. We get cranky with them. Now, eventually, our eyes adjust, and honestly, we appreciate the light. But this is what Jesus does. And the world doesn't like it. It prefers the darkness. And because of this, the world will, will persecute us when, when we shine the light of Jesus in their lives. Not a light of condemnation, but a light of hope, a light of unending love. Love. The world will push back at us and mistreat us. So how do we respond to persecution? With joy. Because there is a promised reward, but also because persecution is a mark of authenticity when it comes to our faith. As Jesus puts it in the second half of that verse 12, this is what happened to the prophets before them. The prophets spoke with the voice and support of God, right? They said, hey, this is what the God is saying. If the world of unbelievers looks at the way you live your life, right? They see your identification with Christ. They see that you're living in the way of Jesus. And they decide that you deserve harm in whatever form, physical, social, emotional. That that should come your way, right? Hear me, you can rejoice. Rejoice. Because they are agreeing with God. You follow Jesus. You're blessed when you're treated like Jesus. See, we follow him and we are not promised an easy road. Actually, Jesus makes it really clear that we won't, that won't happen. And that won't happen because God doesn't care. It won't happen because, oh, you're making mistakes and you're messing up. It will happen because the darkness of this world wants to fight back. It wants to defeat the light, and yet it can't. Paul, a, a guy who became a Jesus follower later in the first century, and he wrote much of the New Testament, he wrote this letter to the Roman church. And in, verse, in chapter 8 of that, he writes this. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. who had the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Paul is saying we are going to suffer. We are going to groan. We are going to feel the pain of this world as we wait for the coming kingdom. Because we eagerly await something far more beautiful and powerful than this world could ever imagine. And Paul understands that hope can only come from a place of waiting. We don't hope for what we already have, we hope for what we expect to receive. And when we wait for that reward, we may get excluded from social gatherings, we may not benefit from the under the table deal at the office. We may get teased for not joining in on the office office gossip or, or the crude comments that our friends make. We may be mis- misunderstood for our commitments to gathering with other Christians or giving away our money. Last week, a young woman many of you know, Nickara Gibson. Part of our family here at White Oak went to be with the Lord. She battled cancer for many years and she did so with the heart of a lion. Now, did she lose that battle? No. She did not. She trusted God. Did she want more time on this earth? Yeah, absolutely. We all want that. We all want to be here with people who are close to us. Yet, weeks ago, I I was sitting with her when she knew her time was coming to an end. She knew. I sat with her and I heard her say, I know God is in control. It's not up to me. Hallelujah. (laughs) That is what it's about. That is the promise. She suffered the pains of this world. She suffered, but now she's receiving and experiences the promises of Scripture. And what Paul said to finish this passage really hits home. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things who will bring any charge against them who, those who god has chosen it is god who justifies who then is the one who condemns no one christ jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of god and is also interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of christ nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, that's the thing we need to remember. When we're persecuted, when people are pushing against us, when the world says, you're not like us, and we don't like it, we need to remember that Jesus is the hero hero of this story. That Jesus did this. He is the one who makes a a way where death cannot win. He came to this world. he He was persecuted. He was hated. He came with a message of love, and still people hated him, denied him, wanted him gone. And they wanted him gone so much that they hung him on a cross. Yet he was still the son of God. Don't forget it. Don't forget that he was the son of God. Because that means in his power, he could have chose to step down off that cross and wipe it all out. And he didn't. He took the cross. Amen? Amen? He took the punishment, the beating, the jeers, the spit, the anger. He let it all fall on his shoulders. He died for our sins. And then he defeated death so that we could live forever with him. Folks, that is mercy and grace and love. Jesus was the one who made it all possible. And as a result, we get a chance to follow him. To learn from him, to be more like him. And that might mean we're going to suffer. We will face hardship. We will be mistreated. But not because we aren't loved by our Father, but because we are so deeply loved by him that the world cannot bear to accept it. You're blessed when you're treated like Jesus. Maybe today you need to accept that love. You've not accepted that grace. You've said, I I don't think that's me. I don't want that persecution. I just want to say to you, listen, what we're dealing with, it pales in comparison to what Jesus did for us on the cross. And he's got there's a promise there. When you let your heart change you say, I want to follow Jesus, you know the persecution's coming, but you know he'll never leave your side. Maybe you need to take that step today. If it's you and, you're, and you want to accept that, that gift and, and let Jesus be the one who leads you so that you can be more like him, let your heart change. Myself, some of the prayer team will be down here during this next song. Come down and pray with us. Maybe you want to choose to be baptized. Maybe you've said, I want to follow Jesus, but I want to take that step of obedience and be baptized. Come down and pray with us. Maybe you just need to stop looking at your situation in the world as a curse and realize that when you live like Jesus, you will be treated differently. And that shows your faith in the one who made you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, you call us. To come, come, follow me. You say, follow me. And on the back end of that statement, Lord, is the phrase, and you're gonna die. You're gonna die to this world. You're gonna die to what they want. You're gonna die to the things that give you comfort and joy here, knowing that the the, the kingdom you promised to us is coming. Heavenly Father, just remind us every day, help us to remember every day why. Because of your son, Lord, as we take this communion here in a few minutes, Lord, just remind us that your son chose to die for us, to give his life so that we could follow him. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.